What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Slaw Sports Show. I'm your host, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw. Happy Saturday, Slaw Sports Show Saturday. We're back today for another episode this week. Hope you guys are excited for another great one. And it's the first episode of 2021. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, we're back here with another year running of the Slaw Sports Show. Before we get started with today's episode, I just want to say thank you to all you fans and listeners out there that have supported me the last year in 2020. It was a difficult one for a lot of people. And, you know, with the podcast and everything going on, I thought it would blow up in 2020. Um, you know, with, you know, with COVID-19 going around and quor- everyone quarantining. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more it wasn't the case because, you know, people sitting around at home isn't really the time when you're listening to podcasts. It's all the people out on the road driving around every day going to work and stuff. Um, but still, nevertheless, 2020 was a great year for me, a great year for the podcast. And I couldn't thank you guys enough. You know, we hit over 1,000. I mean, as of right now, we're over 1,200 um, total listeners on um, all time on the podcast. So I couldn't thank you enough for all the support you guys have given me um, over the past year. It really does mean a lot. And, you know, without you guys, I don't know if I keep going with the show every week um, as I have been doing it. Um, so again, thank you all for always tuning in every week to the Slaw Sports Show. It really means a lot um, to me and to everyone else that um, helped make this thing possible and all the lovely guests we've had throughout the year and hoping to get some more on tap this year. And we're um, hoping to make 2021 the best year yet for the Slaw Sports Show. And, you know, that all starts with you guys. So again, I just want to say thank you for always tuning in, always showing support and love to me and to the show. Again, it means a lot. But let's get the first episode of 2021 off and rolling. Um, so before we get started with the bulk of today's episodes, as always, we got some key highlights from the week to talk about in the world of sports. And then we'll get into the bulk of today's episode, which is going to be centered around the college football semifinals that um, happened last night, um, happened on Friday, New Year's Day, uh, depending on when you watch this. Uh, but we saw Clemson going up against Ohio State in the late game. And in the early window, we saw Alabama against Notre Dame. And that is setting up the national championship. We'll get into that in just a second. But before we begin, uh, let's go over some breaking news in the world of sports that happened over the week. Um, first, we'll start in the MLB. The San Diego Padres slammed Diego, if you will, making a lot of noise this week. They acquired Blake Snell, the pitcher. From the Tampa Bay Rays, who they just came off the World Series, um, just came out of the World Series. Um, they didn't win it, but they were there against the Dodgers and Blake Snell. We all remember that you know crucial mo- moment in the World Series when he was pulled out of the game, frustrated. He finds a new team going into this year with the San Diego Padres. But another thing, you Darvish also getting traded to the San Diego Padres. So Slam Diego loading up on their rotation. Um, improving that going into this season. They're a scary team right now. Um, they got a lot rolling offensively and now have a lot rolling um, in their starting rotation as well. So it's a team that could be a little dangerous. Um, definitely a team to consider uh, when we start talking about the MLB going into this next season. And then in the NFL, some breaking news coming out of here, uh, especially the last couple of days, but pretty much the entire week, is another COVID-19 spike. We hate to see it, especially in the last week of the season. You know, we made it a full season strong with only a couple of hiccups along the way. But looking at week 17, these are the, some of the guys who are currently out. 
um, of their matchup in Week 17 because of COVID-19. That's Alvin Kamara coming off a six-touchdown historic performance on Christmas. He's going to be missing today and potentially even their first wildcard game if they get to that point for the New Orleans Saints. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the ninth-inning relief pitcher, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, he will not be playing in Week 17 or the wild card game for the Miami Dolphins. So to attack of Iola, it's up to you. Your bearded brother behind you isn't there to pick you up when you're down. Big brother's not there this game or potentially your first playoff career start. So you got to learn how to throw the ball. You got to learn who's open and who's not. This isn't Alabama anymore. When a wide receiver's open, he's not going to be wide open. You got to trust your receivers, get the ball out, spread the ball downfield, pick your head up, and, you know, the season right now is relying on your arm. So you got to make things happen this week against the Buffalo Bills. You're going up against one of the toughest defenses in football. But again, your big bearded brother behind you is not there to pick you up. This is all on you. This is the NFL. You got to step up here, too. This is your time to shine. Uh, but some other players out, Keenan Allen, the wide receiver uh, for the L.A. Chargers. He is out with COVID-19. Um, Tampa Bay's defense got hit with a little bit of a spike. They're missing Devin White and Shaq Barrett and the Cleveland Browns. They've still been hit hard. Last week, lost all of their wide receivers, hoping to get them back this week, but still multiple Browns will be out for their huge showdown against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Browns need to win to get in, but Pittsburgh's sending a lot of starters. Big Ben, Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, some of those guys will not be playing for the Steelers. So the Browns, have a little bit of an up here going into this game. And, you know, Miles Garrett, he's going to be going up against Mason Rudolph, the revenge game, um, a game where last year Miles Garrett was suspended the rest of the regular season. So now he has been promoted to team captain for this matchup. They said it's not part of that reasoning, but we all know it is. Um, but multiple Browns will be inactive because of COVID-19. They're still dealing with an outbreak there with the team. Had another coach test positive this morning on Saturday. Uh, so they're going to be missing a lot too as well. But that's all the rundown we have. Um, just some real quick MLB news with the Padres and then a little bit of a COVID update going on in the NFL leading up to week 17. We'll get more into that. But now let's get to the bulk of today's episode and start talking about this semifinal college football playoffs games. Uh, so the two games, we're going to start uh, with the early game and then go over to last night's game and then preview what we should expect looking forward to the national championship game on January 11th. But first, let's get into it. So the first game, Alabama Crimson Tide, number one seed going up against Notre Dame, the number four seed. A lot of talk going into this game, especially centered around Notre Dame. Should they have gotten into this game at, at the four seed? Should it have been Texas A&M, Cincinnati? Um, who really should have got in? You know, especially after the ACC game last weekend, when Notre Dame lost to Clemson 30 to the th- 30 to 3 and really their only impressive win came against Clemson earlier in the season when they were without Trevor Lawrence and a lot of players in their defense so a lot of people wondered should Notre Dame have even been allowed into the college football playoffs at the 4th seed a lot of talk about should there have even been four teams uh, you know a lot of always the talk of expanding the playoffs but nevertheless Notre Dame got in and it wasn't pretty uh, pretty much the entire game. They covered the spread, um, which sucks all you guys out there that are big betting guys. Uh, Notre Dame did cover the spread, but the final score is 31-14. to 14. Alabama defeated Notre Dame, and Alabama will reach their fifth college football playoff title game 
uh, now going forward into the national championship. But this, like I said, this game was never close. Um, Notre Dame started to make a little bit of noise here and there. But from what we saw from Alabama's offense, this game, it was never close uh, between Notre Dame and Alabama. Uh, Now Notre Dame lost their seventh consecutive New Year's Six game since 2000. So it's been 21 years, seven consecutive New Year's Six games that they've been to, lost all of them. So not a, or definitely a tough stretch for Notre Dame here um, going into the new year, all these seven consecutive times in the last 21. But for Alabama's side, like I said, offensively, the trio, um, if you will, you know, they had three guys finish in the top five Heisman finalists, and they're the, the core trio to this entire team and what's making them so successful this year. Uh, leading the pack um, is the guy leading the offense, Mac Jones, the quarterback. Um, he had 20, he threw for... Um, 25 for 30, 297 yards, and four touchdowns. But of those four touchdowns, three of them went to Devonta Smith, the guy who, in my opinion, is leading the Heisman race. The votes are in. I think he's already won the Heisman uh, with all the votes in. That's just not announced. But I think he is uh, this year's Heisman selection. Devonta Smith had another very impressive game, seven receptions, 130 yards. And like I said, those three touchdowns. And he impressed me with those three touchdowns. It's not the college football, you know, sideline grabs. He had a very nice grab in the corner of the end zone. It's not the one-foot touch. He's putting the two feet down in those receptions. He's already ready for the pros. And Devonta Smith, he's the guy this year. We say it every year, the next great Alabama wide receiver when you talk about the NFL draft. Devonta Smith's that guy um, going into this year's draft in April. And then a running back, Najee Harris, he had 155 total yards. Highlight hurdle over Nick McLeod. Shout out to him. Um, on a, you know, hurdled over him, rampered for 50 more yards after the hurdle. This guy's impressive, too. What he's been able to do this season has also been tremendous. Um, so just that trio that Alabama's currently putting together is just hard for anyone to really, you know, have an answer for it defensively and you know I don't know if anyone honestly has an answer for what Alabama's offense is able to do um you're not going to slow them down the only thing you can do is hang with them but if your defense isn't going to slow them down they're scoring every single possession you can't hang with that no matter how good your offense is Alabama's defense will be able to stop you one or two times in their offense they're not slowing down they're definitely a tough team to go up against this season um looking here now toward the final game of the year but, you know, like I said, never close. Alabama in the first quarter came out to a 14-point lead going into the second, put up seven more, then it was 21-7 at the half. And then it was just all over for there. They put up seven more in the third and then three in the fourth. And Notre Dame, like I said, only scored 14 points, two touchdowns, one in the second quarter, one in the fourth quarter when it was already over. Um, so that game wasn't really close. Um, but the key takeaway – the key takeaway I have from this game, Alabama against Notre Dame, is that Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, it doesn't matter. Whoever you put in that four seed, this was going to be the outcome. I don't care. I'm tired of hearing it. Yeah, it would have been fair to the other teams, but would it have really been fair for them to just go out and get blown out when you know they instead they can go play in a bowl game and have a chance to win? Because, I mean, you got Cincinnati. They lost to Georgia in their bowl game. Coastal lost to Liberty in their bowl game. And, you know, Texas A&M, it, it doesn't matter who you put at this four seed. 
the outcome is still going to be the same. None of these teams in college football as a whole can compete with Alabama. It does not matter who gets in on that fourth seed. Yeah, you know, it'd be nice to have an expanded playoffs. You know, add more teams to the playoffs. You'd get more money um, for the NCAA. I don't know why they haven't made that, you know, given that fact alone, why they haven't expanded that. But at the end of the day, are we really going to see anyone other than the top three, Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama, come out no matter who gets added in the into the expanded playoffs? You're still getting the same three teams. It does not matter. Um, that's just how college football works. These guys consistently bring in the top talents every year. They are going to be the best team every year. So it doesn't really make uh, really any sense here of you know all the talk about who should have been in the four, um, how many teams should have been added. I think it doesn't matter. That's my honest opinion. And then my other takeaway from this game, um, I've already said it, I'm uh, talking about this game, but that Alabama offensive trio of Mac Jones, Devonta Smith, and Najee Harris, if you get three guys in the top five Heisman finalists, you're not stopping this offense. Uh, so I don't think they can be stopped. They're not going to be stopped. Looking at the national championship game and who they're going to be facing, they're not going to stop them. Um, they're you know pretty much Thanos at this point. They are inevitable. Um, they're putting up points, and no one is going to stop them, no matter what they throw their way. You can't stop all three guys, quarterback, a stud wide receiver, a great running back. You're not stopping all three. You can stop one. You can stop two. You're not stopping three. Uh, so that's just my take um, there for Alabama. And then we get into the night game, uh, the second game in the semifinals. And this one was a lot better. Um, this one was actually a lot more enjoyable and pleasing to watch because it wasn't a blowout necessarily. It actually was a game that was pretty close at the very beginning until Ohio State started to run away with it. But Clemson, um, the Clemson Tigers against the um, Ohio State Buckeyes, Ohio State wins it 49-28. to um, So Ohio State avenges last season's loss to Clemson in the college football playoffs. Um, they lost to them last year. They make up for it this year. Uh, they have their first win against Clemson in five meetings um, against the team. So Ohio State, they finally get their win against Clemson. And Justin Fields, he led the way, uh, setting a super, or uh, excuse me, a Sugar Bowl record um, for touchdowns in the Sugar Bowl. He didn't have one touchdown, not two touchdowns, not three touchdowns, not four, not five, six touchdowns. Second week in a row, we've made this joke here, but six touchdowns in this game against Clemson and six incompletions for Justin Fields, 427 yards. Justin Fields was electric last night. And on top of that, he proved that he is a warrior. Took a big shot from Skalski in the ribs, was out for one play, came back in, touchdown, first play after taking that huge hit. And you could tell he was grimacing the whole game, kept having to get on the bike on the sideline, stretch out his ribs a little bit. You could tell he was definitely in pain, but he came back out and threw two more touchdowns that traveled over 50 yards in the air. He wasn't slowing down no matter how hard you hit him, no matter how hard you got after this guy. Ohio State was playing for something last night. And, you know, what their motivation was, was it, you know, all the slander on Ryan Day and Justin Fields in this offense 
you know, not really been able to step up the last couple of games? Was it all the slander about, you know, the 0-4 record against Clemson, what happened to Clemson um, when they played Clemson last year? Or was it the fact that Dabo Sweeney, head coach of the Clemson Tigers, had Ohio State ranked 11th in the nation in the final coaches poll? I don't know what the motivation was, but Ohio State flat out dominated the Clemson Tigers last night. And, you know, yes, Justin Fields put up all these crazy numbers, but also look at the rest of their offense as well. Um, Trey Sermon, he had 193 rushing yards, one touchdown at the running back position. And, you know, we saw him last week uh, put up 331 yards. He follows it up with a 193-yard game here against the Clemson Tigers. And then wide receiver Chris Olave, he put up six receptions, 132 yards, and two touchdowns as well. So they had a trio of their own. Uh, so you talk about looking forward to this national championship game between Ohio State and Alabama. Alabama has their trio. Ohio State might have a trio too here with Olave, Fields, and Sermon um, on their offensive core. But let's look at this game in more detail. So let's actually zoom in on this game. Um, so you look at the very beginning, Clemson got off to a fast start, scoring the first touchdown of the game. Trevor Lawrence actually outrunning Baron Browning, um, a good linebacker for Ohio State, outran him to the pylon and scored the first touchdown of the game. Ohio State right back and uh, right back at him and answers with a touchdown of their own. Clemson answers back with a touchdown. Ohio State answers back with a touchdown. It's 14-14 at the end of the first quarter. That's what we expected. We expected a game to be a this game to be a shootout. Um, but here's what I really want to focus on that 20 or that 14 point, uh, two drives, two touchdowns for the Clemson Tigers. Something you got to think about with Clemson is going into this game, they were without offensive coordinator Tony Elliott, who tested positive for COVID 19 and was not able to go in that game. So, those two first drives, what you're looking at here from this offense was the script. They scripted those first two drives and executed them to perfection. Ending, uh, capping both drives off with touchdowns, putting up 14 points um, immediately to start the game into the first quarter. But the rest of the game, that's where we really started to see the Clemson offense missing um, offensive coordinator Tony Elliott because they failed to adjust on offense to what Ohio State was throwing at them. And it was ridiculous to watch. Every single drive, you had a running back screen, you had a read option where there's a poor read every single time. And then he had an underneath pass that was tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage or, you know, maybe even a less than five yard gain. No wonder you're getting three and outs every single drive after those first two drives. And it took them a while to finally get rolling. You know, it took them almost all the way up until the fourth quarter to get rolling on offense and start spreading the ball out to the rest of their playmakers. You know, Amari Rogers, a guy who's usually their big threat guy at wide receiver finished the game with eight receptions for 54 yards. That's what I'm talking about. Those underneath routes to your big time plays. Where was the deep ball? Um, it wasn't there for Clemson. They couldn't keep the defense honest. The defense just played shallow on them the entire game and sent pressure on Trevor Lawrence and he couldn't do nothing about it. Um, and when the pocket was clean for Trevor Lawrence, he still looked good. I'm not taking any credit away from Trevor Lawrence. He put up a good game. Um, for his standards, a great game, 400 yards, three total touchdowns, ended up having the one interception there in the fourth quarter. But again, that was a play where he had a touchdown in the guy's hands and it got tipped out for the interception. 
um, I do believe, but ended up having a fumble as well. Um, that one was a tougher there um, to think about, but he had three fumbles, one loss, uh, one loss fumble, but still fumbled two more times where Clemson had to recover. But the pressure was on, on Trevor Lawrence, and it was hard for him to really um, work through his progressions with the time he had. But in my opinion, the offensive coordinator, the interim offensive coordinator, did no favors for the Clemson Tigers last night. Their offense was flat out stagnant after their script was over. Um, and that was just inexcusable coaching, inexcusable play um, by the offense for Clemson. Um, and then something else I also want to, you know, point out with the Clemson offense, Travis Etienne, their running back, a guy who's projected to be the number one running back in this year's draft class going into the NFL. He only had 32 rushing yards. He had the one touchdown, but only 32 rushing yards. And as a whole offensively, Ohio State outran Clemson 254 yards to only 44 yards. That difference there was the kicker for this game. Um, of course, you know, the big plays, like I said, the 250-yard bombs um, by Trevor, or excuse me, by Justin Fields for touchdowns, but controlling the ground game with Trey Sermon. And it's just something that Clemson cannot figure out was how to get their ground game rolling. Um, you know, outside those first two um, possessions, they couldn't get back on the ground game. So they're one-dimensional at the pass, but Ohio State's locking down um, the back end of the field. You know, Sean Wade at corner is a guy who um, traditionally first snap read is to go back. Um, he's the guy who immediately goes back and plays the deep ball. So the deep ball wasn't there. You have no running game. You keep trying to do read options that are getting you nowhere over and over again. They're snuffing out the running back screens every single time and the jet sweeps every single time. There's just nothing this offense could have done, and there was no adjustments the entire game up until you know late in the fourth quarter when the game was already over. Um, so again, just horrid, horrid performance there um, by the coaching staff. But someone I want to point out for the Clemson offense who did have a good game was Cornell Powell. He had eight receptions, 139 yards, and two touchdowns. So he was there. Um, whenever they got him the ball, he was able to make some plays. Um, but I wanted to see a lot more from Amari Rogers. He's a guy who was their big play, um, traditionally their big play guy at wide receiver, and he was held in check pretty much the entire game. There's no deep balls to him. Everything thrown to him was underneath and immediately rallied on. But another big thing and a big loss for Clemson, uh, we talked about it earlier with that big hit on Justin Fields. On that hit, James Skowski, the quarterback of their defense, the, their middle linebacker on that hit was ejected for the second straight year in the college football playoffs, he was ejected from a game. Should you get ejected for targeting? That was a big debate last night during that game. Um, obviously, 15-yard penalty on the bat. Um, but should the player be ejected? I don't think I don't see it as a punishment, the ejection. I see the ejection as a chance for the player to sit down, think about what he did. Because that same hit, you you line it up with a hit you see in the NFL and from a guy like Ryan Shazier. You look at the hit that completely ended his career um, and completely ruptured you know, his spinal cord. He had a lot of issues trying to get back to even walk again. You look at Skalski's hit and Shazier's hit. Put them side by side. They had the exact replicated form. And it's not you, you some way you have to get him off the field and have him recognize that that's not the way to do things. And that 
not only could seriously hurt somebody else, that could seriously hurt you. It's not good for the sport, not good for the game. And I think the ejection, when something like that happens, you know, it, it wasn't a hit for malicious intent, and that's what everyone's arguing. But it's not about that. It's about the safety of the players and, you know, fundamental football, fundamental tackling. He has to learn as a middle linebacker, hoping to continue his playing career, that he has to be better at his form for the safety of others and the safety of himself um, going forward. So that's another big loss for them. They already had a guy suspended um, for the first half of the game at linebacker. So they're now down to their third linebacker um, for the rest of that first half until they got uh, their number one guy back in the second half. Uh, But nevertheless, Ohio State hung on, uh, ended up taking their game or taking the win against Clemson now with their second appearance in the college football playoffs national championship. Uh, the first time they made it there, they beat Oregon back in 2014, becoming the national champions. Um, so Ohio State now set to square off against Alabama um, in the national championship. But the takeaway from this game, um, again, we've already talked about a little bit of these, but the takeaways, Ohio State, they sure as heck aren't number 11 in the nation, Dabo Sweeney. And you learned that last night. You need, um, you know, I'm not going to say he needs to do anything, you know, in his in his mind, you know, Ohio State didn't have that many games going into this, didn't have that many wins to say, um, as Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson did. But they're not the 11th team in the nation. Ohio State deserved to be the number three team in the nation. And now going in as the number two into the – um, college football national championship, but they sure are eleven. Dabo Sweeney. If anything, you might have given them more fuel to their fa- uh, more fuel to their fire. Excuse me, going into this game, listing them as the eleventh best team in the nation. Um, but that's the big takeaway. Ohio State's for real. Um, they might end up giving um, Alabama a run for their money, but looking forward to that game. Um, Ohio State versus Alabama in the national championship, January eleventh on Monday. Um, at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Like I just said, Ohio State might give them a run for their money. But as I said earlier, Alabama has the best chance to win this, in my opinion. They are already set up as the favorites to win. And um, just like I said, this game has to be won in a shootout. But I think defensively you look at it, and offensively offensively you look at it, Alabama has the best chance. They're more prepared um Roster-wise, to win this shootout than Ohio State is, um, their defensive is their defense is more likely to stop Ohio State's offense than Ohio State's offense is to stop uh, Ohio State's defense is to stop Alabama's offense. So I think Alabama wins this in a shootout. Um, that's my national championship prediction. Alabama wins yet another one um, here this year against Ohio State. But Ohio State might surprise me. Uh, I'm not writing them off just yet, uh, but I think Alabama does have the best chance. So these two games finalized, um, I also want to throw in a little bit of some draft analysis um, that I've been thinking of um, here the last couple of hours after the game um, because, you know, we're all looking forward uh, to April's draft. And if everyone knows that I am as well, um, excited to do our one-on-one sports live draft show. But here's some draft analysis um, looking at these four, uh, these two games, these four teams. Um, we have a lot of potential top first-round candidates coming out um, from these four schools, but just some instant draft analysis. Despite the loss, despite the game, Trevor Lawrence is still 
the quarterback one of this NFL draft um, draft class this year. Don't overreact. The guy still threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns in that game. He did not lose that game. He is still the top quarterback prospect we have seen since Andrew Luck. He's still going first overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville, do not overthink this. Do not overreact to this loss. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is still your guy. Make the right decision in April. Uh, But Justin Fields, he's back now. He's not quarterback number one, um, like I just said. But all the talk about Zach Wilson the last couple of weeks, I think last night's game, Justin Fields made a statement that he is the quarterback two of this draft class. Um, Zach Wilson um, from BYU started making a little bit of noise there. Um, Looked like a better overall quarterback prospect. But Justin Fields, six touchdowns last night, 427 yards, playing on the bad ribs. He made a statement last night that he is the quarterback number two. Um, And then we go back to earlier in the first game, um, Alabama against Notre Dame. The real takeaway here is Devonta Smith uh, for Alabama, the wide receiver. A guy who, like I said, is in line to pretty much win the Heisen Award right now. I think he's the wide receiver number one in this draft class. You think about other guys like Jamar uh, Chase out of LSU, Jalen Waddell, a guy from Alabama who missed um, the rest of the season, who had a uh, terrible injury early on the year, was out for the year, um, as guys who could potentially be above Devonta Smith in the draft class this year. But I think after what we've seen this season, what we've seen last week, what we've seen this week, what we see coming in the national championship game, what we see coming with Devonta Smith potentially win the Heisen Award, what we saw him winning the AP um, Player of the Year Award, one of the first wide receivers ever to win that award. I think Devonta Smith is your wide receiver number one uh, going into the NFL draft. And then back over to the other Clemson game. Um, the running back one on my list right now was Travis Etienne. And, you know, he had a bad game here today. You know, he had the touchdown, but only 32 yards rushing. They held him in check the entire game. That's something to consider, especially with the game Najee Harris had. Um, just that's going to be really interesting, um, especially looking at last year what happened. 32 overall pick. The Chiefs took Clyde Edwards Alaire. Not many people had Clyde Edwards Alaire as the running back one going into that year's draft. Um, so I think we might see something else um, switch up. Maybe, you know, one of these other running backs might be the first running back off the board. Um, but, you know, again, it's a bad game. I don't know too much if you want to over overthink this or overreact to this performance by Travis Etienne. But on the other side of the ball, Trey Sermon, he his stock in the NFL draft right now is heating up. It's rising up. You know, like we talked about his last game, um, 331 yards, followed it up here with a 193-yard game with a touchdown. Trey Sermon's starting to heat up his stock here late in the season, and it's something we saw with Ezekiel Elliott in Ohio State back when they went and won that national championship game against Oregon. He had the same late season rise in his stock and had him go early in the first round. I don't think we're going to see that much of a rise with Trey Sermon, but his stock is definitely rising up here into the top five running back. Uh, Could even end up closing in on that um, running back three spot. He had a great game. And, you know, if they get Master Teague back from the national championship game, their other running back who is set to declare for Ohio State, we might not see much of uh, Trey Sermon 
in the national championship game if he is clear to go. But if not, Trey Sermon gets the full workload again against Alabama. If he puts up another monster game against Alabama Crimson Tide defense, Trey Sermon stock will keep rising up. Um, right now, he is probably the highest trending player uh, in the NFL draft right now um, off of his last two games. But again, that's just my instant draft analysis um, of these two games. So looking forward um, now to national championship, Ohio State, Alabama, um, not this Monday, next Monday, January the 11th in Miami. Um, it's now set up, set in stone, and it's set to be a great one. Um, and I'm excited. I hope you guys are as well. We will talk to that, talk about that, excuse me, when we get to that point. Um, but you heard my predictions. Alabama, I think they're going to take it take it home again this year. Ohio State could give them a run. I think ultimately Alabama will end up winning that game. Um, that's my predictions. Slaw's picks, Slaw's selections. Alabama, Crimson Tide winning the national championship this year is who I got. I, I mean, off of what I saw last night, I think Alabama um, is the team that will do it. But that's all the time we have for today's episode. So thank you for joining me. I just want to do a quick recap of the semifinals and a quick preview to the national championship game. Um, so again, I hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you for joining me for the first episode of 2021. Hope to make this year a great one. Um, so again, I hope you guys, of course, enjoyed today's episode. Looking forward for the rest of the day, the rest of the weekend. Um, Saturday, there is no college football games, obviously. Um, we had them last night on Friday. Um, so enjoy the rest of your day. I might go out and play some disc golf here uh, later on. You know, Enjoy the nice weather we have today here in North Carolina. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. But looking forward to tomorrow, 16 NFL games on, on slate, uh, wrapping up with the Sunday night football game, Washington football team against the Philadelphia Eagles. If Washington wins, they're in. They win the NFC East. But if Philadelphia Eagles can knock them off, even though they're resting a lot of players, the winner of the Dallas Cowboys-New York Giants game gets in and wins the NFC East. A lot of implications. We talked about playoff implications last week here on the show. Even more going into week 17. It is insane. Um, every single wild card spot is still open in the AFC with the Cleveland Browns, uh, Baltimore Ravens, Indianapolis Colts, Tennessee Titans can be thrown in there a little bit. Um, so, you know, some other teams in the mix as well. That's going to be insane to see how that really wraps up there because we're going to have an 11-win team potentially miss the playoffs in the AFC. And the NFC side, Tampa Bay has already locked up the five spot, um, but still some issues with the number one seed. Green Bay Packers win, they get it. Seattle loses, Green Bay gets it. Um, so a lot there at the top of the picking order. And then the wild card outside of uh, Tampa Bay at that six and that seven spot a lot of implications can do can go down there, uh, can go down down there. Um, excuse me, with the L.A. Rams, you got the Arizona Cardinals down there looking to get in. Um, the Chicago Bears currently in control of their own destiny with the game against the Green Bay Packers coming up. So a lot to look forward to tomorrow in the NFL. Hope you guys enjoy that. Um, the NBA is still rolling along with their season. We're hoping to get caught back up with that um, here in the next couple of weeks. But we just want to hit these huge two games here in the college football playoff semifinals. Um, so we want to talk about those today. Maybe next week we go back and damper a little bit in the NBA or potentially start previewing the NFL playoffs. We might even, oh, we might talk playoffs next week. That might actually be next week's topic. Um, 
But a lot to consider. We'll see how the week goes. But again, thank you guys for joining me for the first episode of 2020. Hope you guys have a great, uh, excuse me, 2021. Uh, it's going to take some getting used to with that. Uh, you all, you guys all know the pain at the beginning of the year. Um, but first episode of 2021, thank you for joining me. Hope you guys have a great week going forward. And until next Saturday, we'll see you guys then. Have a great week and peace, everybody.